Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Jesus, thank you for how present you always are in every single moment, in every single step, how present you are. And we just, just open our hearts and our minds, our spirits, our mouths, our hands, just every part of us we open. And we just ask you to fill every part with your substance. We really love you. Amen. Um, okay, so uh, before I get started here, I just wanted to make sure that I said thank you for all of you that sponsored a child from Network Ministries um, for our kids camp that we had here. Um, I wanted to get you a list of names so you could like know the names of the kids that you sponsored. And then it kept changing all the way up until about, I don't know, 10 hours before the, <laughs> the start of camp. So I never had like that finalized list of names to give you. Um, but it really was a great week. Um, and I had one of the little boys, he, well, he was like 11, I guess. And he came up to me because he, you know, he started to connect in his mind. This was like the last year that like he was getting too old. Next year, he'd be too old to come to, to kids camp. So he came up to me and he said, so how old do you have to be to be a helper at, at kids camp? <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I told him, I said, well, you know, when you go into sixth grade, you could help. And he was like, can I please help next year? Like he just really connected and didn't want that to be his last time. I thought that was really so sweet. He was really amazing, but um, we had some really uh, fun opportunities, some really uh, good opportunities just to be with each other deeply, and then a lot of fun. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I thank, I thank you for those of you who made that happen for, I think we had nine or 10 kids from network that actually were able to come. We had a family that had to back out last minute, but um, so it was a good group of them that were able to be a part of us for that week. So thank you and just keep blessing them in our spirits and in our prayers as we're thinking of them. Um, and then today, I wanted, so you know, our three words, our M words that we're focusing on this year, right? Do you know this? Manifest, can we like not be quiet? You can talk. <laughs> okay. Manifest, measure, multiply, right. Um, so I think like I know last week, I think it was last week when you read just read scripture and sort of found like, what does the, is this manifest measure or multiply? So I think that like my heart is probably to focus on multiply today, but every time I like read any of the things that we're gonna talk about, I see all of them in it, sort of like 
as you did last week when you were just reading through scripture, that you can see pieces of manifest, measure, and multiply in all of them. Um, but my heart is to focus on uh, multiply and specifically um, the multiplication of his person, Jesus, his person, his kingdom, his ways, like all of him through serving. And I, I'm not saying it's the only way, right? I'm sure there's many, like there's lots of ways that Jesus can multiply in us. But recently, the idea of serving has really, like the Lord has just been talking to me a lot about that. And so I wanted to share that on that today. Um, and to start, I just want to read from Mark chapter 10. And we ha I actually have a lot of scripture here today. I told Chris, I was like, I almost feel like this is enough for a Bible study. So we're going to like scale it back a little, but try to do some reading here today. Um, in Mark chapter 10, verses 41 to 45, it says, hearing this, uh, well, and I should say what they were hearing <laughs> so that we have context is uh, some of the disciples were arguing about who was most important, who was the greatest, who would be the greatest, right? And so then it says, hearing this, the 10, so the other 10 disciples, began to feel indignant with James and John. <laughs> it's okay. There we go. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um... In Joshua, this is, I wanted to do just a little bit of an Old Testament example or two. In Joshua chapter 24, um, we're going to read a couple different verses. It, verse 14, uh, 14 to 15, and then we'll be moving down that chapter a little bit to verse 23. I guess I could. Okay, so Joshua chapter 14, um, it says, I'm sorry, chapter 24. <laughs> Please bear with me. Oh, there it is. Okay. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods 
which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If, uh, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then further down in that chapter, in verse 23 and 24, it says, Now therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst, and incline your hearts to the Lord, the, the God of Israel. In, uh, in the NIV, on that second portion, it says, Yield your hearts to the Lord. I felt impressed by the Lord um, that we will serve something. We just will. We will serve something. And so Joshua is like, choose. You know, they had these other foreign gods that they had you know, some of them had um, served over time. And he's like, you know, in how I feel it is like Joshua's sort of like, you're going to serve something. Like, you can try to just remain sort of like, you know, neutral, but like, you're going to serve something. Choose. Be intentional to serve the Lord. Because if not, you're serving something. Maybe you aren't identifying it. Like for them, they, it might be natural just to serve what, you know, mom served whenever they were wherever in Egypt. Or, But I, I just felt like, you know, we have to understand that we are serving something. And we want to serve the Lord. And when I looked further down and I saw, it was like interchangeable in that verse where it said uh, to, that to serving the Lord, it is yielding your heart to him. That is part of what serving is. It's yielding my heart. So if I'm serving the Lord, I'm yielding my heart to him. If I'm serving the God of Amorites, I'm yielding my heart, right, in in serving, which will, there's plenty here to do, um, but in serving, my heart posture is important because number one, I'm intentional about who I'm serving, and number two, in serving, it is with a heart that is yielded to the Lord. How many of you have ever served because you had to and not because your heart was yielded, <laughs> right? Like that can happen, right? But the heart posture matters. We serve with a heart that isn't just yielded in the way of like, okay, you said to do this, but no, like yielded like, like I have his heart for the one I'm serving. Does that make sense? Our hearts yielded to the Lord. Uh, serving is yielding your heart to 
and it's meeting a need. It seems so simple, but it's meeting a need. Like, how can I serve you, right? It's meeting a need. It's, my heart is yielded, and it's meeting a need. And I even think of it in this, like, I just feel like when I think of it in its purest context, I guess, I think of those times when you have just one-on-one on, one on one time with Jesus, and we minister to him, and he ministers to us. Like that pure, simple exchange. Do you have those times that you can just, like, think of, like, when I am just with the Lord, and he ministers to me, and who I am with him ministers to him. It's a pure exchange. It's not necessarily a loud and trumpeted thing, right? It's pure, and it's simple, and, and it's yielded, and it's ministering. It's, it's literally meeting a need. Um, when I thought of that, I thought of Colossians 3, 23 to 24. And it says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And when I, like when my heart is yielded to like, not just obedience, but like having his heart. Like, then I see the Lord in the, in the person in front of me, right? That I'm serving. I'm actually serving him. Um, one more Old Testament example, and then we're going to talk about Jesus for most of our morning here. Uh, Elisha. I'm not going to read all this because there's a lot to read, but uh, Elisha to me was like a really good example of coming with a heart to serve. Like literally, if you read, it's like Second Kings, I think chapter four and five. There are several stories of Elisha and he would be like, what do you need? What do you need? And his heart came to serve. And, and it, I don't want to like give away some of these other things I want to talk about, but like this is how, this is how the people learned of the Lord. And so like I thought of Naaman, you guys, it's like one of my favorite stories because there's like a little girl in the story of Naaman, but like that little girl was a story of Naaman, but servant, right? She, she saw her master and she was like, to serve him, she's like, he needs healed, right? She saw a need, and she, she offered a way for that need to be met. And Naaman learned, begrudgingly a little bit, he was a little bit stubborn, right, in his little bit of a journey. He was a little offended that he had to wash in the water that he didn't like. And, but, but he learned of the Lord personally, through that servant. 
Um, I also thought of that, the, the story of the widows in there, the widow whose hus her husband had passed away and there were collectors coming to her to get money, I guess, from things that he didn't have time to pay off. And so they were going to take her two sons as slaves to pay her husband's debt. And Elisha is like, says to her, literally in that scripture, you'll see, he says, what do you need? He's ready to meet a need. And, um, you know, she, she said what she needed. He asked what she had, and she had oil. She had a little bit of oil, right? And so then he, like, says, you know, go collect all your neighbor's jars and get them over here. And she starts pouring oil, right? And it never runs out. And that's how she was able to then pay that. She sold that oil, and she was able to pay the debt of her husband. He was always, I mean, especially in those two chapters, if you read the stories, it's like he's meeting a need. He's feeding people. He's helping them find a way to pay their debts. He's help, you know, like he's meeting needs. Um, in Philippians chapter 2, this is where we're going to start to see the example of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, um, and we are going to be verse 1 to 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Isn't that multiplication? Like every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, a little further down, do, okay, I have to transition why I want to go here. First of all, 
Jesus is the example, right? He's showing us how to walk human, <laughs> like how we're supposed to be, right? And it says that he emptied himself. Like that just, he, he is God and he emptied himself. And I, the one day I just started to think of the risk that that would have felt like to him. Like, I don't know, I'm just thinking of like, like to empty yourself. Like if you're God and you empty and you come and you're susceptible to everything, sickness, hurt, everything, like emptied himself. I don't know, like I just feel like that would have felt like a risk to take. I mean, I know he's God, but like he has like real feelings, right? Like I feel like that would have been like, ooh. I think that when we humble ourselves to serve, Oftentimes, part of that is taking a risk. That like, like if I do this, I don't know, I don't think it was as, like even though God knows like his desire and, and like, what he's doing, I think in that, like, Jesus had to feel the weight of that risk and how humble it is to, like, do it anyway. Take the risk. I had here that Jesus, he emptied himself, he became a servant, meeting the need of humanity. And he shows us how through humility, through learning, through taking the risk, through esteeming others, and allowing himself. I, I just wrote it this way, to increase in, in capacity for what he was going to carry. His increase in capacity for what he would carry, like the weight of the world, happened when he humbled himself. When he emptied himself and he came to serve. A yielded heart fully and meeting the need of humanity. I feel like there are opportunities in our lives to serve like this, like Jesus, and yet it feels risky to humble ourselves, put ourselves out there and do it. But Jesus shows us how, <laughs> right? He did it anyway.
Um, then further down in that chapter in Philippians, just like two verses down, I think it is, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. I saw two things in this. One, the posture of heart, right? I serve without grumbling and complaining. That speaks to the posture to me of my heart. And two, I see multiplication. That, that we become lights that can multiply, right, in um, this generation. I actually want to read what I have written here because I knew I didn't have time to like read the whole life of Jesus from one of the gospels, but I mean, I guess we could, you know, hang out for a little while and read the book of whichever one you pick. But I wrote down a few things that I see from the life of Jesus that I think are beneficial to, to this uh, conversation. I have, um, Teaching God's ways. So we have Jesus that taught. He taught about the kingdom, right? Uh, he would teach from a different perspective, right? It usually was challenging to their thoughts. Uh, I thought of the Sermon on the Mount, like the Beatitudes. Uh, I even thought of like when Jesus was standing in the temple at the very sort of beginning of his ministry and he starts reading from Isaiah the part that, that like prophesied about him, that he would, the spirit of the Lord was on him, right? So he, he would teach and he would even read like prophetic words about his calling, his anointing, his, you know, all the things. But honestly, they, those things were important and they're foundational. But it isn't the power to multiply. That's what I'm trying to get at here. So he would teach, he would speak, and that is important, it's foundational. It's like the rock, right? It's the rock. I also think of it sort of like it's building a shelf. It's building a shelf. But then, when he would serve, when he would go to the person in front of him, and he would meet a need. It was like, it almost reminds me of creation, like God created the shell of a man, and then he breathed into him life. So here Jesus, he's got the shell, he's teaching, right? He's He's, uh, he's speaking, he's operating in who he is, but it doesn't move, it doesn't become inspired maybe, like that breath of God comes into, it comes into that through serving, through meeting a need. That's how his kingdom and his heart multiplies.
That's how it begins to become operational, moving, and living inside of this heart, and now this heart, and now this heart, and now this school, and now this community, and this nation. It's not through all the things we can teach or say or declare that we are because I have this prophetic word or I have, it is when I kneel down and I wash this person's feet. That's when the power to increase, that is when the breath of God goes whoosh and fills. <laughs> fills the shell of the man, fills, lands on the shelf. I'm starting to see serving as the breath of God that fills. Just like creation, God formed a man Foundation is important. He formed the man. But it wasn't till this breath came that he came alive. That it had the substance of Jesus, not just the shell that he created, but it had the substance of the image of God. When, when God breathed, and as I'm seeing Jesus through his life, yes, he would teach. Yes, there was... There was structure at times I had to be laid, but it didn't have the power to increase until he served. Serving was like him breathing his substance. Man, I want, I want, like, it makes me say Jesus first of all, like, I got to open up everything and let, like, where I have need, let him breathe his substance into me there, right? He wants to serve me. He came to serve. <laughs> and sometimes we get so busy ministering and taking care of things and doing our job and taking care of the kids that we forget to, like, stop and just let him serve. Meet needs inside of me, inside of us, because it's literally the breath of God that fills that place. And then to see that I can serve, and when I serve with a yielded heart to genuinely, purely, and just simply meet a need, it comes. It is what ushers in and breathes the breath of God into that person or place that you are serving. Isn't that amazing that we get to do that? Yes, it takes us, like, we've got to humble ourselves Sometimes we have to empty ourselves to do it, right? But it is the way to, like, usher in the breath of God. 
into a place, into a person. It's not my knowledge, right? Jesus would teach, and he had all the knowledge of all the ages of all of heaven right there. And it still was structure. It did not move or multiply till he bent down and he served. So he said, what do you need? You need to see? What do you need? You're hungry? What do you need? You want free? What do you need? I don't judge you. It's like when he would serve, it was like the, the way that oh, all of his substance would just fill. Teaching God's ways, it's the building blocks. It's foundational. It's like building the shelf. It's God creating man out of the dust of the earth. It is the place where his living power can land and fill. But the living power of God, life, movement, and increase, the breath of God breathed, is in love that serves. Serving is the breath of God filling the creation that was inanimate and making it live. It is the Spirit of God having a place to land. I started to think that, this is just a side note, but I started to think that maybe that's why Jesus so many times would speak in parables. Because, and I know he, you know, at one point, the disciples even asked, why do you talk in parables? But I just started thinking, like, he knew that telling a bunch of knowledge was not the way to multiply the kingdom. So it's, it's not that his kingdom was hidden in these parables. It's that he knew knowledge would actually, could even hinder its increase, that the real increase of his kingdom and his heart was not by him talking about it. It was by him coming to serve. And when he would serve, every part of his kingdom and every part of his substance would be breathed into the one that he was serving. I think it's probably part of the reason why he told so many stories that they couldn't necessarily make sense of in their head. It was, here, you need, I'll, I'm reading a lot today just because I've written a lot down. You need food, 
you need healed, you need forgiven, freed. Whatever need humanity had, he came and filled the need with his substance, not his knowledge, not his, t not his calling, not his title, not his giftedness. It was his substance that met every single need. It was love, which is the substance, that served and met needs. This is probably one of my favorites. Luke chapter 9, verse 46. It's one of my favorites because it talks about kids. <laughs> so, um, there we go. Luke chapter 9, verse 46 says, an argument, okay, so the disciples argued about who was greatest a couple of times. It was one of those things. So here it is again. An argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side. And he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. And I just thought that was really cool. And this is why. For those of you that are mothers with little kids, or you just remember when your kids were little, how many of you remember your kids could not wait to help you when you, it might not have even been so helpful. Do you remember? Like they wanted to vacuum like you or they wanted to get the broom, like, so just a true story. We were talking about this with our, the lady that does our hair. Her name's Allison. And we were in there. She goes, do you remember when Kara was little and she'd take the broom and spread the hair all over the floor? <laughs> because every time we went, Kara, like, it was like if she, when they're little, they just can't wait to feel like they can help to feel like they can serve, you know? And that was Kara, like she'd get this broom that was uh, probably more than two times her size and she would drag it around the whole <laughs> salon trying to gather hair. I thought of that when I read this. Like when they're arguing, when the disciples are arguing over who's the greatest and Jesus is like, you see how this one wants to serve? Like when you let him swing the hammer, I remember years ago at our house, Autumn, you're here, so this is a good story. Years ago at our house, we wanted to take a wall out to make a, like a great room. And we were trying to do as much of the work as we could by ourselves. And our, my girls, Autumn was there that day, um, my girls could not wait to get a hammer in their hands and help with tearing down a wall. They might have made a dent like this big, right? But like a child, doesn't find it humiliating to serve. They actually find value in it. They're actually excited to serve. If they can be a part of meeting that need, they're the first there. And I felt like it was really cool that Jesus, when they were arguing about, you know, trying to be the most important, he's like, 
Look at this one. Even Jesus, even the Son of Man, didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And in serving, he ushered in the breath of God. That's multiplication. It really is. It's so simple. It's so pure. It's so um, unimpressive, maybe. <laughs> and yet, it is the way. It is the way. I said uh, in here, Jesus tried to teach his disciples to be humble and serve and be like a child. Yet they still argued about these things until the day that he bent down and washed their feet. Something happened inside of them. It didn't solve all their problems. They still had stuff to work out. But something happened inside of them when Jesus washed their feet. Because you'll never see another time after that where they argued over who was more important. That was an, a consistent argument prior to. Something clicked. Something happened in their heart. Not when they saw him serve others. Not when they heard him teach. Not when they, you know, assisted him in what all the things he was doing. When he washed their feet. When they knew they had dirt that needed cleaned off. That day when he washed their feet, that's, that's like takes humility both on their side and on his side, right? Like he came to serve. He humbled himself. But like, look at Peter. He had a hard time letting Jesus wash his feet, right? But when that happened, something changed inside their hearts. In Luke 22... Um, I just want to read this. Uh, Luke 22, verse 24 to 27. It says, And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. Sounds really similar to some others we've read, right? And those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, that child. And the leader, like a servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. John 13. 
In John 13, this is where we actually read about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And there's just, I don't want to read the whole thing, but there's a few verses I want to read. John 13, I want to start with verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. I feel like that in and of itself is really important to get. Like, Jesus, when he knows everything is his and he could do whatever he wanted. Right? Instead, what did he do? Like, it almost is as if, like, it was like the prompt for him to do the next thing. Like, knowing that everything is mine, that has prompted Jesus to do what is next. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. I want to skip down. So we see it's like when he, it was like almost, I don't know, does this sound absurd to you? Like so many times in a natural way, like when you think you've got all the power, it's time to make a decision. <laughs> right? Jesus was not like that. When he knew all things were his, he said, it's time to serve. Like, I want to, I want that to be my response. <laughs> like when the Lord affirms something he's placed inside of me, the first response is to serve. That's what Jesus did. Then in verse 14 and 15, um, it says that if I then, the Lord and the teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Love that serves is the power to increase and multiply his kingdom, his heart, his ways, and his thoughts, both on the inside of you and in the world around you. Love that serves is the power to increase and multiply his kingdom, his heart, his ways, and his thoughts, both in you and around you. Expansion is about substance. We have the foundation. We have the shell. But for that thing to grow, 
to move, to live, you have to have substance, the breath of God, everything that Jesus is, filling that. So it's about his substance. It's not about what I know or what prophetic words have been over me or what my calling is or all these things. It's about his substance. He, love himself, came to serve, and in serving, humanity experienced the substance of the true kingdom. It wasn't until Jesus actually served people in the place where they had need that that which was from heaven began to expand in living hearts. I started to think of uh, Psalms 27. I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to, like, I guess say it as best as I can from memory. But uh, Psalms 27 where it says, uh, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it was like the Lord brought that verse to my mind, and I just felt like that's what we're looking for, is in the land of the living. Not see the goodness of the Lord in the land of shells of people. Like, yes, yes to the, the foundation, to the shell, to the shelf that is built but what we want is for life, right? The substance of Jesus to fill so that it becomes living and moving and increasing and operational genuinely, right? Like purely moving and multiplying throughout the earth. I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and if I can see that every time I serve, whether it's a person in my home, a person I work for, a, a person I see on the street, whether it's, whether it's uh, I serve a community, when I realize that serving literally is like breathing the breath of God into that thing, the substance of God, and it brings life. I now have the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> we want his substance to fill everything. Like some of the story, and I'm sure you guys are the same way, but like some of the stories that inspire me the most when I hear them are stories of when just some person or organization just goes and says, what do you need? And they just start doing this really cool thing that meets a need. Like it just inspires me. It makes me like, it brings this life. It, so like, you know, just an example, I had heard, I, I don't know, a few months ago, about that there are a few people in my town, I don't know who they are, but there's a few people in my town that every year they go to 
uh, the school board and they ask what kids have lunch accounts that are overdue and they can't graduate because they can't pay their lunch account. And they just pay it. They just meet the need. Guys, this fills our community with like the substance of Jesus, just serving a simple need, such a simple exchange that nobody would even know about. And yet, it is what ushers like the breath of God into our communities. Like you can probably start to think of the stories you've heard that have inspired you like that, where someone has just found a need and you're like, wow, what a cool way to serve and bring life to our community. It brings so much light and so much life because that service, that serving, literally ushers in the substance and the breath of God, the living kingdom of Jesus into the structures that we have in our town. Isn't that amazing? Like, don't you want to serve like this? I do. It's the way to multiply his kingdom. And it's so exciting. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be conduits for the living breath of God to fill just by serving. Um, what time do we have here? Okay, so it's time to close. I, um, I have one thing I want to read just to close with, sort of like read it as a prayer almost, I guess, over you. But before that, I just wanted, uh, I told Chris I didn't know how to do this, so I don't know if I have the best way to do this, but I've got these note cards and pens up here. And my thought was, like, all I'm doing is teaching you, <laughs> right? I'm just talking to you about what I'm seeing. But like, how do we practice this? Like, how do we actually then serve, right? Where it goes from being a structure to being, like, breathed into by the breath of God. And so my thought was to, um, to allow anyone that would say, I have a need, to write their need down on one of these cards. And what I thought is that you could write, you know, not like in detail, just, you know, it could be, I mean, you, we can have needs for anything, right? So it could be, I just need a friend to walk with me through something hard. It could be, I need, you know, help with my kids or finances or I don't know, like the needs. I need prayer. I need someone to pray for me. My thought was to have where if you have a need, big or small, it doesn't matter, to come and write it down on like one side of the card. And then on the other side of the card, put your name and maybe your phone number. 
like a way, this is practical guys, but, but like isn't that meeting a need is like, what do you need? And I'm here, right? So, so maybe on the back side of this, writing your name and your phone number. And then my thought was to lay them out with just the needs up top. You wouldn't see the names, just the needs. And like, let's take some time to come and see like those who would say, I'd like to help somebody. Walk by and pick up one that you think you could meet that need. Or you could at least be there. Remember, sometimes Jesus would meet the need and even Elisha with that example with the widow. Like, it wasn't like Elisha just went and gave her all the money she needed for the creditors, right? However, did Elisha help her? Right? Jesus oftentimes, sometimes he would say, what do you need? Like, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be able to see? Other times, he would address, you know, he would meet a need that maybe wasn't the thing you write on the card, <laughs> right? So I don't want to put, like, pressure on anyone that you have to figure someone else's problem out, but coming with a heart to serve, a heart that is yielded to the heart of God for the person that needs, and that says, I'd like to be a part of meeting this need. Are you guys, like, okay to do that? So we'll do that. Um, and if I have time to read, I will. Otherwise, I'll just read it over you in my sleep. Um, that was funny because I think I do things with the Lord in my sleep. <laughs> okay. So, um, so that's what I guess we'll do here is I'll just give a few minutes um, for if you would say, like, I want to write a need down on a card. Come up and get a card and write on it. And it doesn't have to be huge, descriptive, just like, you know, something small, like that would just say, I need this. Come, come. And then we're going to lay them out and we're going to see if we can meet some needs this morning or this week going forward. So, Jesus, I just pray that you would help us as we do this because I know that, like, this is probably. Uh, humbling for us to do sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to say I need something. But Jesus, we, we don't want to just have the, the teaching. We want the teaching. We need the foundation of your thoughts. But man, we want more than that. That's what it is. We want more. We want it to be living and moving we want it to, like, take root inside of us. We want all the, the things that we learn of who you are and how you do things, we want it to, like, become, like, your substance to fill the knowledge inside of us, individually and corporately. So help us as we serve one another. Help us to serve one another really well simply and purely. Okay, so I have some cards here. I don't want you to take a very long time. So if you know you have a need, just like, come, come. Write it down. You can use this podium right here to write on. And then we're going to see if there's someone that can 
help meet some needs. Yeah, you can stand here and write, or you can write at your seat, whichever you prefer. And the reason I said write your name and, like, your phone number or a way for them to contact you is because I don't, I just, like, want it to be genuine throughout the week that whoever picks up that need can just call you and be with you, not something that happens, like, formally right here, but, like, to really be something that we genuinely posture ourselves this week to serve one another. It's okay to have a need. No man is an island, right? And this is what we're here for. Open ourselves up and let somebody else wash our feet. But not just symbolically, like in a real life rubber meets the road situation. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.